0: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is a CBC podcast. Welcome to Sick
1: Boy, a podcast that talks about what it's like to be sick. This week, the guys look back at 200 episodes. Congratulations, fellas. Let's talk about that.
4: 200
0: 200 200 episode okay well that's it that's it well Well, i thought we we were only going to say 200 i don't know why you threw episode in there how dude even after 200 episodes you can't like take cues guys i i feel kind of just just take it again from the top okay here we go go. 200
4: 200 200 episodes.
0: episodes i hate you guys uh
4: hey everybody (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, this is it. We had fucking two hundred episodes. Two hundred episodes. I'm sure there's more than two hundred. I mean, we did. You know, technically, we did like those. Those we used to do those like just, just a routine weekly checkup. checkups. Or, yeah,
5: every once in a while.
4: We we've keep, we've like reposted other people's episodes. I, I don't
5: know why we called them routine checkups
4: <laughs> since they were anything but routine. They sound like the checkups that I get.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> we we so basically ended up um, continuing to do them, but we just released them on Patreon.
4: Yeah, that's right.
5: Actually, that's,
0: right.
4: that's actually fucking true. And
5: you know yeah. what? If you I mean, you don't ha- you don't have to do it. No one's no there's not a, there's no gun to your head. No one's we're not going to we're not going to treat you any differently. But if you wanted to. Well, no, we
4: absolutely will treat you differently because we're giving you shit <laughs> we like every month. You, we will treat you
5: slightly differently by giving you special things if you go to patreon.com. Dude, I support. feel like
0: once a week I come to you guys and I'm like, "Hey, um I was just thinking, can we give this thing to our, our Discord members or our Patreon supporters? And you guys are always like, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. And we just give them shit all the time. That's right.
4: Yeah. Uh, because we give you free shit like this every, every once a week. So, yeah. so we figured, you know, let's give non-free shit to the people that think that they... That, you know, they want to pay for the non-free shit. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, good we're e- here. Good explanation thanks. of how that yeah, works, sir. Uh, 200th episode, which is fucking crazy. That's uh, a lot of episodes. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think, I mean, we technically missed one Monday because it was Christmas Day, and I think we even put something out that Monday, um, uh, like a, a Grinch recording or something. Yeah, the, right. I, the uh, a Dr. Seuss recording. Um, but this is, this is, this is wild. It's been, it's been a wild ride. We, uh, we've spoken to many different people, people, rock stars, astronauts, everyday, normal Joes and Janes, Joes and Janes. uh, mostly Joes and Janes, uh, Joes but, but and we did Janes. have a fucking astronaut on and we did have a rock star on the show. So we that's, did. wait, that's hold on. Cool. Am
5: I, who am I? Who? Biff naked. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and my mom, she's a fucking rock star. <laughs> and my mom, my mom's a rock star. Too. And my mom too. Yeah. Hey, isn't that cool? You know, I as I was saying to guys, somebody, should I have day, my
5: mom on the podcast? Does oh, she
0: have cancer? No. Oh, my mom does. It's <laughs> not a fucking
5: competition, Brian. <laughs> does her son have CF? No. Hey guys, you know what? I got hit by a fucking car. <laughs> Dude, you look well though. Mom, you, you, mom you, of a mom of a of an accident
0: boy. <laughs> Yeah, right. uh, Well, maybe we'll do it. Maybe yeah, okay. someday. Sure. Um, you know what? I was saying... You guys, I don't think I you guys was, are being serious when you say that. <laughs> I was... I'm uh, 100% serious. I was saying to somebody the other day... Actually, I was your like,
4: mom's a dwarf. We should get her on for that. <laughs> oh, dude, it's little people. I'm cutting
0: uh, that
4: part. Sorry. No. Sorry. No, no, no. no. Keep that. It's your LP. Mo- I know. Your mother... What I meant to say... She's not an LP. What, what, not what I meant to say was your mother has dwarfism. And I learned that it's not okay to call someone a dwarf. I did... On our episode with Jim from Vancouver, who is a LP, a little person, and well, he we, has dwarfism. Yeah, but we well, we asked him what are all the names that
5: like you know in pop culture have come up, and you know what is okay to say and what's not okay to say because like sometimes you just don't fucking know, and you got to ask the question of what what it is and what's not. Sometimes
0: okay. you fuck up, like I just did right yeah. there, guys. I was gonna say it's it's interesting. She doesn't
5: have dwarfism.
0: But, she uh, fo- she totally
5: does. <laughs> she's just I, really I, short, dude, four foot yeah, eight or something. She's I'm she's pretty four sure four she's ten. three
0: foot one. She's four ten. So, as I was saying, oh. this is... Oh, what, Uriel? This, what are you, you know doing what? under the desk? She's under the desk. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get down there. <laughs> you know what? After 200 episodes, nothing has, <laughs> nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. I still try to get a word American. in and still can't talk because nobody listens to me. <laughs> but anyway i was saying it's really interesting that uh that we sat down with jared both our moms and uh and i was telling somebody the other day that that my mom was on the podcast and they were like what was that like and i was like it was was a really great conversation you know like I, i talked to my mom about a lot of things that um we hadn't had open conversations about before but um i got to do it with my two best friends and i was thinking like how interesting of a dynamic is that like if we weren't recording a podcast, like would I invite you guys over to my house and be like, hey, I want to talk to my mom about some uh, things that we haven't discussed yet. I'd love for you guys to be there and also to weigh in and yeah. ask questions. Too.
5: Primarily her cancer and the way that it scared her to death. <laughs> I, can,
4: I can guarantee with 125%, no, you would not have done that.
0: But yeah. it was, and like, but how great was it, right? It like, was pretty cool, pretty fucking awesome. Like, even if yeah. we, even if we didn't release that to uh, as a podcast, like it would have been so cool to yeah. have that experience. Well, I know? felt
5: really good because she's basically
4: a, a second mommy. For yeah. yeah, it would have been sick if we made that just Patreon exclusive content. Uh, by the way, if you're interested in our Patreon, Patreon.com/sickboy. Uh, it's you know it's actually one of the things that's been keeping us going. For the last two hundred episodes, yeah, and I was we, gonna say, we, I, yeah, that's like that's like one of the big, biggest things that's been going for us in the past four years is like travel. Yeah, listen, we've we've gone to, we've been to, we've taken this podcast, and I, I honestly, in a million years, never would have imagined that this would have been a thing. But we have been to Los Angeles, we've been to Austin, Texas, we've been in New York, we've been Toronto, to almost, I think, almost every province. Uh, Not quite. We've missed Saskatchewan and Manitoba, the Yukon, Northwest Territories, those Newfoundland. Are territories, bro. Yeah, yeah but it's all the same. Territories at
0: Newfoundland. We're going to be in it. Newfoundland and we, we're going to be in Newfoundland soon. We have a lot of travel coming up in in September and I know that this fall is going to be pretty big for us and we're also looking yeah. to add more um, more stops on on uh, for the for the shows that we have coming up. So How
4: about how about in the next like within the next like 3 or 4 weeks? We put together a list of all of our show dates and what we're doing, and we,
5: well, we, we put we, it out we, to the we, world. Can, we can say where we're hoping to be
0: now. Now let's do it. Let's do it another time. Well, we we for a little bit we were saying on our Patreon that we would go and do a live show in the city where the most patrons were coming from. So you know, like if you guys really want us to come to places like Washington D.C., which there is apparently. A lot of noise about a lot of noise. Then, then I hope there's all a lot right. of Patreon support.
5: I really there. would love to go to all of the
4: um, like memorial and historical places. Guys, in where, places. Where's, the- where's all my Japanese listeners? I want to go to
0: Japan, guys. So after 200 episodes, I want to ask you two, um, uh, and then really quickly after this, I want to do an update with our very first guest ever. Um, but what are the what is the biggest thing? that you guys have each taken away from this show, from recording 200 conversations with people who live with illnesses?
4: It's definitely changed the way that I speak to people, the way that I communicate with people, the way that I read. Um, Enjoy, like the, like your ability to my read bil- words? My ability to read, yeah, has <laughs> <we> gone up. <laughs> now my ability to read, like... Um, Somebody else's body language. I mean, like, yes, there's, there's all the stuff of like learning about different illnesses and learning about, uh, you know, I, I think there's like a sense of empathy that comes with the, type, the, the types of conversations that we have with people and stuff like that. But to, to sit down and have well over 200 hours of dedicated time to listen and have like a really legitimate conversation with somebody else has completely changed the way that I, I communicate with other people, whether it be in a one-on-one situation or like a a group scenario. Like for example, I'm out having some drinks with pals and then uh, somebody, somebody that I don't know who is a mutual friend with someone within the group sits down And I start to have a conversation with this brand new person that I've never met my entire life. Those interactions are completely different. Mm -hmm. And I think on, I, I think that that's one of the biggest things that I'm grateful for in, in having this podcast and having had this experience, because I think it just allows it. It like gives me this opportunity to really make the most out of, the time that I spend with people while i 'm alive, you know like and and not just the people that I know well, but people that f- those people that are very fleeting that mm-hmm. maybe come and go, mm. whereas like before I might just go yeah well there's you know i 'm probably not going to like ever see this person again there 's no really no re- like i 'm not going to like invest anything here i 'm not going to put much time into. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll chat with them, but like some idle chat, it's stuff that really means nothing. But now it's like, no, fuck that. I want to, like, I want to, I want to, I want to peer into your soul. It's crazy, right? Because even if I never see you again, I truly do hope that we both never forget this experience.
0: But that's what it's like when we, when we, like, you, you learn the potential of the value of an hour of conversation or of, or of like a fifteen-minute conversation, massive you know? like potential. You, you you start to understand like how well you can really get to know someone when you <laughs> cut through the bullshit, when you open up and be vulnerable, and and yeah. actually get to like having real, authentic conversation. Like yeah. it, it only takes a little bit of time to like really feel like you're getting to know someone. Yeah,
5: mm-hmm. I would just I would really just echo that exact same thing. I think I, I sweet I, Brian. I, what do you think? Um, I I think <laughs> that's it. With, uh, <laughs> just like verbatim what Jeremy said. Uh, I, I, basically, like I, I the, you said something there, Jerry, where you said something about the body language, and I find that being able to being able to see and tell when somebody feels cool with talking about real shit. Yeah, because like like you like I, I agree with what you said sometimes you don't get that vibe from people that they want to go there and and um I'll, I'll sort of like respect that if I feel like that's what that's what i'm that's how I'm feeling about it. that's what I'm getting from them that they don't want to you know go deep on anything kind of existential or philosophical or something mm-hmm. like that because because that's where that's where I usually want to go in conversations um and but being able to tell whether they do or they don't and especially when they do of not feeling like you're you are out of out of turn or out of out of touch with taking it to a more a more sort of not serious but like more profound space, more meaningful. Like more meaningful mm-hmm. in yeah. conversation. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for me,
0: I think I think um, you didn't. We didn't ask you. It was actually just you asked. Okay, us. right. Okay. Yeah, well, right. let's just skip this. Skip this part then. Um, the, the number one thing that that I've taken away from this is it like tangibly is is the friendship that um, we have with Brandon for sure. Yeah. Um, that wait, we would wait, have never had. Who's that? <laughs> Brandon, our uh, our past guest who was on like four times uh, on the podcast. Oh, br-
4: uh, oh,
5: Brandon,
0: Brandon, Brandon. Thomas.
5: Brandon? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, Love you, Bran, for sure. For sure, that was definitely like the like one tangible takeaway from this. Like that wouldn't have happened if it if it wasn't for the show. Um, but the other thing is that I find that I'm more. I try to be more appreciative, and I try to be more um, open and vulnerable talking about my feelings. Like I I noticed that um, over the last like four years talking about feelings and having like the word feelings and talking about how I appreciate things, like it comes up way more in my vocabulary because I think I'm, and sometimes sometimes to the point where it can be like a little bit annoying almost for the, for the people who are close to me in my life um, because I think I'm always like hyper-concerned about like, oh, I don't want to leave like this stone unturned. Like I, I want to talk about how I feel in this moment. I don't want to let things pass. I know that feelings and, and vulnerability is a way to like build um, connection, and feel closer to somebody. So I feel like I, I definitely talk way more about that stuff in my life than I did before. I think
4: why it's annoying for the people close to you is because of the way you say feelings. Like you're like, hey guys, like uh, I was just thinking, maybe I want to kind of talk about my feelings, yeah. and yeah. I don't know why. I have no fucking clue why you. Insist on saying it like that, like
6: feeling. And, and do you find
5: that with this vocabulary that you've mentioned, that you're with this, you know,
0: bigger vocabulary, do you find that you're using big words? Big words, yeah. <laughs> I'm always talking about my feelings, feelings. and I want wi- I whine about them a lot. You I do. I'm yeah. usually pretty whiny. So big words. Um,
4: cool. Well, I mean, so what we're kind of doing with today's episode is we're doing a little update uh, with past guests, and uh, we we've, we've talked to a few of our past guests. Uh, we're gonna hear uh, so, uh, hopefully some like sort of. We're really flying by the seat of our pants here. This episode's due in like a couple days, um, but. Uh, just to roll this along, I know you wanted a little update from me. I, I don't really, I don't think I have much to report. I'm sick today. I'm sick right now. I have, a, I have like a little man cold. You were sick on day one, bro.
0: Yeah. I w- you know, I've been sick since birth. You know, from that first episode, Barf. if we would have said like, if, if, you, would, my birth if you would have known um, that you would be where you are today, do you think you're doing better or worse than, than what you would have thought four years ago? Uh, four years ago, to, like to today? Yeah, like when we started recording to today, do you think that you are doing better or worse than you would have anticipated?
4: Uh, I think I am doing pretty much as as well as I thought I would be.
0: I think. What was your lung function then, and like where are you at now?
4: <clears throat> I think, like back when we started this, it was probably like high seventies, low eighties. Or no, like mi- were, like mid seventies, high seventies. Like,
5: I want to say you were seventy
4: one. I thought you were seventy two. Yeah, okay. So low seventies, and now I'm like high fifties. Okay. Um, actually, oh, you know what? I'll say this. That's, this only is, a few,
5: that's only a few percent per year.
4: Yeah. Um, like I will that. say. Uh, I will say this. Um, since the inception, since or since since Street Street. Street. You said
0: in, street. In that uh, sense, didn't they? In street? Julia's episode, when you were like, Quebec. How do you say Quebec? Quebec. 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 And Fuck. then you were like, I say it. I say Quebec. I say street. Yeah, street. Street. <laughs> so funny that you said um, that. Again.
4: So, Saints. I, the inception of the podcast.
0: That hurts um, my feelings yeah. when yeah. you say it like that.
4: <laughs> uh um I, early days, I was like talking about how I didn't want to get. um lung transplant. And then like if that day came and then John Granton came on the show and he was like, I'm going to change your mind. And then he didn't really change my mind, but he made me think a little differently about it. But then also since then, we've, we've talked to people on the show and we've met people through the show who have gone and had lung transplants. Some people have had their second lung transplants. Some people have had their third set of lung, like third lung transplant. Very rare. Very rare, but someone someone that uh, that we like don't know, but know through secondhand, um, and I've spoke with his sister has done that, and her friend Jamie, just recently, Jamie Keeping just got some lungs, just got some lungs. Have you seen the photos of her on Instagram?
0: Uh, I one I saw one with like she was all tubed up.
4: Yeah. Now there was a, there was another one. It was like this is me last week. This is me today, and she's fucking standing out in the sun like with her arms in the air.
0: No. Yeah, dude. Oh
4: sweet! So seeing shit like that totally has transformed my thoughts on what that process may be like. Because I think I had a very like uh, um, nihilistic view and like pessimistic view on the the potential outcomes of a a double lung transplant, Mm -hmm. and now now those there has been quite a shift. And like if it if it came down to it today, I I would. Probably do it,
0: dude. Something else that I've taken away from this—that's—that's that's fucking it, crazy. You heard it, Nat? You heard it. Here. You say, and it makes deal. me happy to hear that. But the other crazy thing that I've—that I think I've taken away from all of these um, episodes that we've recorded—is like the fact that what medical practitioners are capable of, and like what science has allowed us to do to the human body—to mold it, adapt it, change it, <coughs> upgrade it, like fix it, like. It's possible. Did you guys hear did, it, you guys, did you guys it, want, pull, it, pull it? Did you, you guys watch
4: it, yeah. the fucking Neuralink? Um I didn't. No, I, didn't video? Either, no. I
5: saw Woo-hoo. that it was a thing,
4: but yeah. let's leave that for Oh yeah, another another uh, host episode for Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Oh, that's patreon.com/sickboy. That's patreon.com/sickboy. Um all right, well let's throw it to uh, let's throw it to our, our conversation. I, th- I think it's pretty fitting that we go right into this one. Uh, 100 episodes ago, we sat down with um, a man who holds two titles. Uh, he is, uh, the, uh, unequivocally the tallest human on the planet. I think he holds a world record for he's in the Guinness. I he's think. somewhere on 11 foot nine. And, uh, he also holds the title of, uh, uh, coolest spiritual dude I've ever met. So yeah. that's a, that's a high title. <laughs> Haven't, was, I have never met the Dalai Lama, but don't need to now. Yeah. Uh, his name is David McGinley and he was our 100th episode guest. We brought him back into the studio to hear what's been new in his life and, and how he's been involved in our life since that episode. And, uh, we, we think the world of him and we thank him for taking time to come in and hang out and I hope you enjoy this stick around because when it's over uh we're gonna we're gonna go hear from some other past guests so we'll see you all on the other side there's no commercials so it'll just go right into it yep i I mean for (laughs) today there's none tomorrow who
2: knows (laughs) and what is life life is fundamentally a mystery. We don't know what it is. We can't recreate it. We can't animate it. What is consciousness? It's, it's a modern word for the soul, and it's the biggest mystery to science.
4: This is really cool because you, the last time we had you on the show, David, it was episode 100, and 100 episodes later, here you are. You're back on. I'm honored. This is very cool. This is very yeah. cool. I mean, it's really cool for us. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's been... So for those of you who didn't listen, actually, I would, I would like highly recommend going back 100 episodes if you have not listened to it. it was, it's To this day, it's one of my favorite conversations I think we've ever had on the show.
0: Yeah. It might and be the one that I recommend
4: people listen to the most. It's yeah.
0: definitely one of the people's favorites. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, sure. ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And there was a lot that actually came out of that that episode of, of us meeting. yeah um, you know, longtime uh, friend of, of of ours and 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 you know like all-star guest of the show, Brandon Brandon um, had uh, you know gotten sick, he had passed away. This was after we had met you and had you on the show and you uh, you were at his funeral you had what, what do you call that like if officiated?
2: Yeah, I was the officiant at his funeral and also provided spiritual support to his parents right. um, at his bedside uh, the night he died.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: and it was an astonishing privilege filled with a mystical connection to, uh, to the great beyond as well as this profound anchor of love. The hallway in the hospital was crowded with, with people who were pouring love into the room. And uh, he was demonstrating, even through an unconscious state, that he was perfectly safe and perfectly connected uh, because even though he hadn't spoken for weeks and they were at his side, uh, there was this moment when he just started mumbling in his unconscious state uh, saying his grandmother's name, whom he loved, who had passed on some time before. And then another night he was saying his sister's name, who died before he was born Mm -hmm. and so it was like this welcoming party was was emanated out and just grazing his soul and touching him and and he was going to be perfectly safe and it brought profound peace and they wondered you know when is it going to happen everyone is hanging on that Mm. and the big thing was his brother was arriving from out in calgary Mm -hmm. and uh will he make it will he make it and of course he made it he hung on for his brother because they were so close and uh, his brother was able to say goodbye and love him to the core. And that was the most beautiful, profound spiritual homework. Mm-hmm. And they just did it amazingly. Then I got to share that at his funeral with his parents blessing. They wanted people to know. And, mm. and, uh, that, that service, it was so special. And we were, it really was, we were really, mm-hmm.
5: uh, I was so happy to see that you were, that you were up there doing your thing and, and, and so, so appropriate. And, and having not really known that you and Brandon at before that had, had made a connection and, Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, it was really beautiful. I've said it a couple of times on the show, like Brandon's, Brandon's death was the first death in my life that kind of really rocked me. And, uh, but also the, the, also the only death that's really like taught, that's also taught me what I've uh, so much, because, because it was profound, because of, the, because, of its, because of the reaction that I had to it. I learned a lot mm-hmm. from it. And, uh, yeah, it was just really beautiful to see that you were, that you were up there and, and we were together in
2: that, in that space. And, yeah. yeah, it was really amazing. And here we were able to use death to amplify life and love and the homework of the soul. Right? Mm-hmm. Everybody got it. Yeah, this, and- is, this is independent of any religious tradition. This is what healthy spirituality should point to. And um, what he did beautifully, how he embraced life, mm-hmm. how he lived it to the core, how, uh, how he, his attitude in facing suffering, and he used that to connect even more to other people. Mm-hmm. How, did you, how did you and Brandon connect? He wanted to uh, meet me because of you guys. Uh, he heard the podcast. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to meet me. He knew he was dying. <laughs> and um, uh, his, his mom had read my book. And, uh, so I was away though. And, uh, when I returned, um, he was unconscious, but they called me and I went to the hospital and really got to know his family. Yeah. It was, it was beautiful. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it was, uh, it was a
4: really fun, like I have to, I also have to give you props, Brian, because that wedding, that wedding, that, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that funeral, um, uh, was it, I remember when we arrived and, and, you know, trying to find a seat it was so packed it was so so busy they had like they had these overflow rooms, all the overflow rooms mm-hmm. were filled up the hallway was filled up, and we were trying to find like seating um and we sat down and, and it all started and it was very um, I, personally for me there there was a it was i was feeling very somber I was feeling very heavy um i I was I was, you know, overwhelmed with emotion, uh, as as one might expect. And there was a couple, of, you know, David, you got up, said a few words. Somebody else in the, within the family got up, said some words, and then Brian, you stood up and you cracked the whole thing off with a joke, which <laughs> you just, you, I think David was like, Brian, come on up, and then you walked up and you said thank you high priest yes and and if people don't know this um, David is eight foot eleven <laughs> um, and so it like immediately everyone was just it you know dying laughing, but then you you kind of continued that you continued to offer that space for people to to give in to the the you know the the emotion of of um of like releasing that mm-hmm. that energy mm-hmm. through laughter. You and were brilliant. It it really was. And it was and, and then from that moment forward, because it wasn't the end of the funeral, there there was much more to it to it, or the service rather. Um, it that sort of continued on. You know, the mm-hmm. next person that came up and spoke, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was like they had permission to also be a little light and find levity and allow allow that space for people to, you know, embrace that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It was just, it was a really like special moment because I know, I know that Brandon, if he was, if he was somewhere looking down in that moment would have been like, thank you, Brian. Thank (laughs) you for that.
5: Yeah. Because he, I mean, he was so obviously Brandon was such a close friend of ours and, and we met him through doing the show and he was a a huge fan of the show. And he, he, he came on, uh, on several episodes and, and yeah, it would just, it was, it was, it was, it's, I find that rarely rarely you hear that people say oh when I have my funeral I want it to be this celebration I want it to be light but I find that they rarely are that way even if somebody kind of wanted it to be that way mm-hmm. because because they don't they they're not they a lot of the times <laughs> they're not the one that get to
2: organize it it's you know somebody else or their family or, yeah. or so Brian could you feel that when you got up
0: yeah yeah d- absolutely and it was um, it for me that I dealt with that transition of emotions um, before the funeral happened because for a couple days leading up, I remember Brandon's mom asked me if I would be interested in saying anything. And it, uh, like, frankly, I was trying to deal with the sadness so much that I was wasn't sure if I wanted to, but I just knew like, right. she's asked me, he's one of my best friends, like how, how could I not? And when I was thinking about what I wanted to say, I thought like, uh, if I'm going to go up there and be prepared, I'm going to have to sit with these emotions that I'm thinking about in lead up to this. So rather than, you know, sitting in this like sad and heavy space in the build up to that, why not reflect on some of the happy moments, the funny moments that we shared together? Because like our, our foundation was built on the relation, the foundation of our relationship was built on like, laughter and having fun and hanging out together. So why not talk about stuff like that? Like, why does it have to be sad when we go and remember our friends or our loved ones like that, when they pass on uh-huh. the grief is all
2: the richer when it's mingled with laughter, mm-hmm. when there is a full spectrum of our humanity, uh, connected, we're vulnerable, we're we're authentic and, uh, we're receiving a gift of a Brandon through your words, through our laughter and our tears and mm-hmm. and it just makes it such a deep and memorable experience. Mm-hmm. Does it did it
5: feel almost like did it kind of feel you know if you you make a plan to go to the gym or whatever and then like leading up to it you're kind of like oh I don't really want to. Mm-hmm. And then you do it and you're like <laughs> I'm so glad I did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I had a really interesting um whole per- like Taylor you mentioned that Brandon was kind of like the first person that that you've lost in your life that was kind of held that, that amount of space in your heart. And like, it was, it was kind of challenging to deal with. And I similarly felt the same thing. um, But I was fortunate enough to like go and see Brandon um, the day before he, he, he died. And I remember getting the call in the morning and having the ability to go and like say everything I wanted to him before he was gone gave me this like ability the next day. So like I ended up getting the call from his mom in in the morning at like five o'clock or a text from her. And, uh, so I was calling all of our friends and delivering that news sucks. Like when you tell Mm. your friends that another one of your friends has passed away, it's, it's really hard. Um, but like, it, it was so weird trying to manage my emotions during those phone calls and, and that whole buildup and right up to the funeral, it was like, there was just this profound sadness that we, we had to sit with for so long that it just felt like finally, once I was able to go up there and and talk and like make light, not make light, but like find laughter in the situation and, and, and find that release emotionally. It was like so much easier than it was almost like a a chapter of the grieving process had ended and a new one opened up. And like there's, there's still been moments uh, I find for me, um, like meditation and and even shavasana and in <coughs> yoga practice, that's when my emotions tend to come out. And like there are a number of yoga classes that I took over the the next few months where I would just be lying there at the end and all of a sudden my like eyes would explode with tears. Mm. And it was just like God that sounds painful. That (laughs) that that sadness would always would would come back up. It's not like it's not like I I like closed the door on that on that chapter of grieving, but it felt like things definitely shifted after the
2: funeral. The ritual of a memorial service, the practice of meditation, they're all meant to clear out the emotional cholesterol which builds in us from the unspoken words of love of tenderness, also of pain and of anger. And these clog <clears throat> us to the point when we don't even have a vocabulary that's Oof. accurate. So mm-hmm. the body speaks it for us in tears, in aches, in migraines, right? And uh, sometimes it bursts out in rage mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and absolute sorrow. So all of it is um, um, a way of engaging with the deconstruction of ego identity. Now that's what death and dying does, and that's what meditation does. Uh, Who we think we are in this world is a necessary experiment, but what we actually are, of course from the spiritual perspective, is this unique manifestation of the underlying consciousness from which all of reality emanates and is sustained. Brandon, as he moved into death and suffering, elegantly Danced with the deconstruction of ego identity he did it without too much resistance as far as i could understand Mm. but when we're meditating we're doing it on purpose we're not waiting for suffering to come to us Mm. when we're doing yoga you're doing it through the body's wisdom (coughs) right this is profoundly difficult essential stuff we can postpone it as long as we want but it's good we're gonna have to do it sometime Yeah. yeah So here I've been at the hospital right now for, for twenty years, helping people with the deconstruction of ego, helping use suffering to deepen humanity and open vulnerability and get that emotional cholesterol cleared out. It's such a privilege. Yeah. It's been so amazing. How
4: mm-hmm. and so, you know, I know that we we asked you to come on here to do a little bit of sort of like an update, like what's David's life been since mm-hmm. since the last time we spoke? Cool. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been you've I mean, you've uh, you had a, a, a your book was released. It was number one briefly there on Amazon. Um, you you won an award
2: for the book as the, well. The Nautilus Book Award is given to books that make a significant change in the consciousness of humanity. And right, I um, complete. <clears throat> Shit, that's that's super. No small (laughs) feat. That's a really the only other.
5: The only other winners have been the Bible,
2: Uh, the Bhagavad Gita. (laughs) Um, Well, I I hate. It sounds like bragging, but uh, who got this award? I had to look it up, and I was like, right, whoa, Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, the Dalai Lama, David Suzuki, David Suzuki. What? Wow. Yeah. Good company. Yeah. Who else? Let's see. What? Uh,
4: uh, I don't read. I don't know any of these people. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Naomi Wolf, that's cool. Yep. <laughs> Jeremy's looking at that list, going, "Not Han." Oh, this is nobody here is of
5: of, of significance. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty amazing. But sorry, so the, what I was what I was getting around to was, um, uh, you know, all this work that you're you're doing um, and that you have done for the last twenty years. Um, I I'm a I I think it's safe to say you've probably had to do this work for yourself because. One thing that we did touch on in your episode was you where the, a lot of this stemmed from was your experience with cancer.
2: Yeah. Now, did your cancer come back? Did you have another cancer scare? I had a cancer scare. It didn't come back. I was exhibiting the symptoms. Okay. And uh, they were pretty accurate and consistent to the tumor. Uh, but when I went to do the test, um, my, my levels were clear. I wonder what, what's going on here. So we continue to test and watch. Uh, I'm chalking it up to dehydration, actually. Really? And uh, and some stress. Dehyde? I'm telling you, water? Immediately made me want to just take yeah. a swig of water. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> it,
4: it, when talking about water on a podcast, it's just like talking about yawning <laughs> on a podcast. So you're, yeah. you're just going to start yawning, yeah. or you're just going to grab for your water. But it, it, it that is an issue that I think is... <clears throat> is it's an epidemic it, it is an epidemic and i don't think it's an issue that people like take seriously or think mm-hmm. about it enough
5: it's like a it's like the apple a day
4: theory you know it's it's like if you yeah. just like, you except know. like far more legit <laughs> far more far more important <laughs> but, yeah. so
0: so what what did dehydration do to you to like make you exhibit those um, symptoms
2: hypoxia or um, um dizziness uh, cramps in the stomach uh, some confusion uh, some d- a bit of disorientation uh, um, began a racing heart felt very warm um and uh, so I, I actually started to pass out and I was in a public space, so I kneeled down and I pretended to tie my shoe and oh wow. Just br- pull breathe into it, breathe into it, stay with it. And then I went and got two Gatorade and I drank them. And uh, I was actually about to fly. I had just gotten through US Customs no. and I was about to fly down to the States.
0: I thought you were I thought you meant like you were about to fly because you were jacked up on Gatorade shoes. No, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I canceled the flight. I said, okay, oh, good
2: I'm move, not, I'm not feeling good. And that was a really good move. So, um, from this, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm okay, but I did discover there's a new test for my cancer, which is difficult to detect. And previously, whenever I did my testing, I had to avoid my favorite things, like chocolate and caffeine and vanilla, and it's just great. And now with the new test, I can just binge on chocolate and everything. It's, It's great. (laughs) <laughs> so we'll we'll test again in three months and see how the levels are.
5: So it, yeah, right. because of now, are you are you always on a three month or is it because you have that that you're on a three month? thing like,
2: I'm usually on one year. Okay. Every year. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure things are cool and I just didn't take care of myself.
4: Yeah. yeah I mean, honestly, like that's the thing with with not drinking water is people yeah. people don't realize that the their energy levels will drop. Their you know their mood will be all out of whack. Um, but in your case, that's, I mean, that's like an extreme, mm, yeah. that's pretty extreme. When I got
5: tuned into to dehydration, when I got tuned into being hydrated, like on a regular basis and sort of changed my drinking, my water drinking habits, uh, I am so sensitive to dehydration now, like, because we really don't like, it's far more common to, for dehydration, dehydration to to manifest in some ex- like an extreme way after a prolonged period of time, maybe of not drinking enough water. Whereas net, but that would have been the case with me, like, you know, six, seven years ago. And now if I don't drink enough water in a day, like by the, by the evening, my body's telling me like loud and clear, you need to drink some water ASAP. Like it, it's, it's, there's a fatigue that comes over me that is, yeah. that is, uh, It's very specific, and I know it right away.
4: Um, Another uh, little update. Um, You were presenting at the International Association for Near-Death Studies.
2: Yeah. This is a conference about 400 people get together every year from around the world, and most of them have had a glimpse of the other side and come back. Wow. uh, Have you watched the OA? I've been watching it. I've just started it. Okay. Is that kind of what the deal is with the OA? So you've been telling me to watch it, and I haven't. Yeah,
4: and, and the, I watched the first episode, like, I don't know, when it first came out. And, and it didn't really, it didn't catch me. I was like, man, eh, okay. Never watched any of the other episodes. And then I was, uh, I was in this w- really weird scenario where I was spending time with Anderson Cooper. And I wanted to know what he, I was like, what are you watching? Like, what do you, what do you love to, cause he's a huge consumer of media. And he was like, the OA is probably one of the best things I've ever watched. And I was like, Really? So I went back and I watched I went to watch it again and I got to the second episode and then from that moment forward I was
2: super hooked. Okay, that's great cuz I need a new addiction.
4: Okay. All okay. right. What what is the OA just quick like Well, it, elevator it, pitch. it it very much has to do with I mean the the theme of the I don't want to say anything without giving anything away, but the overall theme of the show is near death experience. Okay. And and it's it, the the show's told from a very like um, a very sci-fi spiritual sort of with a sci-fi spiritual kind of
2: lens. I love it.
4: But it is uh, it's it takes the concept of near-death experience and like and gives it this entirely otherworldly lore and you you're not sure if it's if it's religious or if it's alien or if it's... Okay, don't ruin it. I I know. So so anyway, like when I read this, I was like, oh my god. In the final episode.
2: (laughs) So this this is interesting because the majority, over 60% of people as they die, have a mystical experience. Yeah. And uh, it's underreported because people don't know how to chart it in the hospital. But a really good study, big study, came out from the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And the most uh, common is exactly what Brandon experienced. They see... The entity, the spirit, the essence of a loved one who had already died. Right. And then the second one is this filling of peace and light, a shift in the light in the room, and then third is an out-of-body experience. So, the majority. So, then they, another study came out just after that, and it showed that, that they were looking at, do scientists and engineers ever experience mystical stuff? Because these guys are hardcore skeptics, usually, in that demographic. And yeah. what do you know mm-hmm. they found That 93% of scientists and engineers have had a mystical experience of some kind in their life. General population, 95%, and what they called enthusiasts, about 97%. So, this is a universal human phenomenon, and really, how else could it be? Because if consciousness is not mediated, is not a risen epiphenomenon of the brain, but mediated through it. Then we're all connected to this underlying reality that we don't have an adequate vocabulary for, and it's going to manifest through in some ways. Your consciousness is the real estate you share with the divine. So you're going to experience it. It's never going to be firm enough that you can lock it up and prove it. Mm. Right? Yeah. And it can be so fleeting for some people. You know, know. sometimes it's (coughs) sometimes. (coughs) Sometimes
5: you know, I, I feel like I've had those experiences where where it comes and goes in a moment in in, 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 in a, in a, in a setting that you might say is perfect, like, like a, a sunset or a sunrise. And you don't, it, 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 flashes and you don't know. And you might not even, you might not even register that, it that it even happened, but it's there. And then some people have prolonged stuff and then you could, you know, you could get into the idea of psych- psychedelics where people have like really long, you know, mystical experiences through psychedelics. And yeah, I think, I think it's uh I think it's a, uh, it's a pretty profound it's a pretty profound thing that we're all experiencing on some level in some way or most of us anyway.
0: David, what do you think like in, in being at like a conference um, where there's like 400 people who are kind of in tune with the same um, type of ideology and values and, and, and I guess shared experience of, of quote unquote, like seeing the other side, um, What do you think is the biggest thing that, that they take away or the biggest lesson that they learn in life? that um would benefit them as opposed to like somebody who's a skeptic
2: the the main takeaway is that this life is all about the love that is the homework and it is worked out and expressed uniquely through each one of us but the agenda the purpose of this universe and of all life is to evolve into love itself and that is not an emotion but the highest state of consciousness Everyone at the conference suddenly feels like they're not alone in this. They realize uh, it wasn't hallucination, they didn't imagine it, it wasn't medication, uh, and it results in these permanent life changes in their character, personality, but everyone is also homesick for the rest of their life for what they touched upon. Mm -hmm. And so you get hundreds of people in a room who've seen the other side and you do a meditation and everyone just ends up crying.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What were you doing? What were you presenting on there? I'm, it, it's coming up in uh, next month. I'm going down and I'm presenting on the unfinished love stories of life and how having a near-death experience um, affirms that the love stories do indeed continue in a radically different way. Uh, what do you mean by that? Love stories like uh, uh, between I- individuals or? Yeah, how when we love, our consciousness actually begins to be entwined with another person's mm-hmm. and that resonance is and harmony continues even despite distance. And um, that is the, uh, the universal love story of the divine is, is, part, is, is that overall project and how it cannot help but continue because on the other side... Only love is real, and everything mm. that is not of love is forgiven and fades away. And that's what we know of those initial stages of the afterlife. Who knows what's further beyond that?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and everybody comes back with that agenda. They want to work on that love yeah. for themselves, for the planet, for, for each other. But it doesn't make us good at that. Mm. If anything, these experiences mess us up, right. and we fumble through this world, Trying to figure out, why am I here? What, how am I supposed to do this?
6: Think of your favorite one-hit wonder.
2: Or that
1: overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers
7: because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it?
5: the one of the things that people at a conference like this <clears throat> feel really heavily is the idea that they're not alone anymore which when you sort of like strip everything back no matter what it is whether we're talking about uh an a near death experience and 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 you know the wild nature of what somebody can go through with, when they have that or or being a part of a, or being like a, you know somebody who loves to lift weights or go for bike rides or do yoga. It's like when you go and do that thing and you realize that there's other people that are there to do the same thing that you are. It provides a basis for your community and you mm-hmm. feel that togetherness and that welcomeness and that you're all sharing this common goal which i think is 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 a method of intertwining people's consciousness you know, whether it's yeah. on this like really profound level or very kind of su- sorry su- sort of superficial level but it's there in some way and community you know provides that ability to feel like totally. we're really doing something with our with our lives and we're doing it with others as well and that provides like
2: m- more meaning or more Profundity is that is that the word for mm-hmm. for, for, for being profound and leads to an increased uh, congruency and harmonic resonance of reality itself. Uh, it is about all of creation it is about all of life, and uh, it is so much bigger than our than we can imagine or th- that we could possibly imagine mm-hmm. um, so there you are at the gym with others working on. You know, uh, honoring this body and, and, and getting healthy. And there's a, there's an energy going on there. Uh, here you guys are doing the podcast. You're spreading the love. How? Well, by focusing on the hard stuff with humor and insight, and curiosity. Mm. That's it. Without judgment, without shutting down, without fueling hate, which is a real different energy, without mm-hmm. right, all of that. And I guess to tie it back to the fact that we're here doing our
5: 200th, 200th episode and we're kind of we're kind of catching up with David and we're going to be catching up with, um, with others as well. Um, it's, it's been a huge privilege and one of the biggest outcomes of what we've done over the last four years is hearing people go, I thought that no one knew what I was going through (coughs) until I heard so-and-so talk about such and such disease or illness, whatever, and go, and my, 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 life is, my life is just better now because I know that I'm not, I'm not alone. Even, mm-hmm. th- even mm-hmm. though I might not know that person, I might never talk to that person, I know that they're going through something, it resonated with me,
2: I'm not alone. So we become strongest in the broken places, in the places of weakness and suffering and deep engagement with the hard stuff of life. And we emerge more beautiful from that. Uh-huh. Uh, in the Buddhist tradition, we become the, the bodhisattva warrior right a warrior of compassion mm. i've always thought that was the heart of your show you are helping people work with the hardest stuff of their life and bring their best self to it
0: Ooh. nice so and i know that you're nice. uh, david i know that you're <laughs> you're in the process of writing a second book right now too and i believe that that uh, also discusses medical assistance in dying
2: yeah oh, well, wow it's going to it's an extremely difficult book to write it's uh, the spiritual dimensions of medical assistance in dying. And it, it really dives into that phenomenon of how death, suffering and death deconstruct ego identity. And what I've noticed is I've been with people who've taken MAID, uh, which I got to emphasize is done with such unbelievable compassion, yeah. such, such beautiful medical care, mm-hmm. such tender hearted connection, gratitude and appreciation for life. Um, Nonetheless, in many cases, I've seen that it is a resistance to the deconstruction of ego identity. And who would blame anyone for, for resisting it? Because it's bloody awful. Mm. It's really difficult. Suffering is miserable. And um, made has provided a way of avoiding some, some terrible suffering. And yet I've seen others engage that suffering and surrender into it uh, with... An equanimity as well as a resistance, and um, they've done it a different way. So, what's going on with made? The main motivator for the request of made is existential distress, not physical suffering. Yet, existential distress is not being adequately screened or supported, and there aren't enough counselors to help a person work with it. And that's across the healthcare spectrum, not just a palliative care. Do you mean that from a, from the perspective of, like, from an existential perspective?
5: This, for example, uh, the, un, the, the lack of control over my own life is, is causing an existential crisis. And, Absolutely. And that is, and that is a, a main
2: motivator for why I want to take that control back, set the date. Yeah, and you want to avoid the suffering you imagine is going to come. Right. And you might imagine that with great evidence. And you want to protect your family from prolonged grief. Um, there are many variables mm-hmm. in right. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a maid provides a compassionate and quick way out of that. There is a third way. And that is um, through working intentionally with the deconstruction of ego and the ego's defense mechanisms, uh, providing perfect pain control. I know it's, it's an ideal that may be unrealistic about getting the uh, family's hearts and words on one page. Uh, about um, working with the the messy stuff this is the biggest event ever to happen in a person 's life. They are approaching the edge of a transformation. I think that there 's a way we can do it better now that 's no judgment upon made i 'm not saying that made is wrong um, that's that 's reducing it two dimensionally but if it 's driven by existential distress, we need to do much better. So I hope to provide through the book a way to do that mm. uh, and uh, Deep in the conversation, it's a difficult one tonight. I don't have all the, mm-hmm. the answers. And of course, I feel there's no impact upon whatever is waiting for the person on the other side because they chose mate. That, that's beyond our scope of practice and, mm-hmm. and I think it's mm-hmm. very presumptuous to say so. But do they take their existential distress with them to the other side? I don't know. We can do better on this side. Mm.
5: It, Interesting. That, well, I'm, I'm, I'd be fascinated to... To read that when you yeah that, is, that that is together. actually
0: really interesting because it's something like I've always looked at made as being something that's um, extremely positive but there is I think that in you bringing up those points there's a conversation definitely to explore it um, more but with your experience in a case like Brandon's for example where in that like almost ego death that he went through and him being greeted by like his grandma and his um, sister. sister on the other side, um, or even on this side before making that transformation, do you think that if you, if you go uh, with a process like MADE, then you're denying yourself that experience?
2: The, there's a concern about that because these mystical experiences that occur for the majority of people at the end of life are, um, I, I don't know the stats on this, but MADE would cut that opportunity short. They tend to occur within the, na- the, like the last few days of life. There needs to be a required shift in consciousness that comes just through approaching the end of life, results in an expansion of consciousness, a connection, something that we cannot, we don't even have the tools and the vocabulary to measure it accurately. The Buddhist tradition provides the best wisdom on it, mm-hmm. and I'm only trying to become uh, familiar with that. Mm-hmm. So if you leave early, do you miss those moments? Are those moments significant? Yes. Are mm. they critical? Uh, we can't say. Yeah.
5: And then I guess you're running into you. Then you you're running into the perspective of you know depending on who you're talking to. Does it go with you? Does it d- d- if you if if it stays with you? If that existential distress stays with you, then where 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 it. Where is it going? Because where are you going? And who knows? Like, yeah. that whole, like, mm. well, if it stays with you, does it, does it matter? Does, does it continue it on into
4: the next chapter?
2: Right. Yeah. Is there a next chapter? Is there or is there not? And, yeah. You know. So, there in the Buddhist tradition, <laughs> the state of your consciousness, releasing into suffering, becoming compassionate through it, is critical, very important at the end of life. In the Christian tradition, I don't think it is as much. Mm-hmm. There's this emphasis on the grace of God and, yeah. you know, that, that'll take care of So, there are very different perspectives on this. Um. Hey, we're I'm, all gonna find out soon. We? We're <laughs> all gonna
4: find out soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah someday. Well, this is. Uh, I. I. I love having you on the show. I think we could have you on the show. uh, uh Much more sooner than the next hundred episodes. <laughs> I <think laughs> is, There's always something to talk. Holy about. Holy shit! It's been two years. Isn't that wild? Um. So I. I. I would love to get you on again at some point, and, and maybe just kind of. Dive even deeper into maybe two fifty next time. Yeah, Yeah, sure. (laughs) And go full on. Yeah. Um,
2: but this was this was a real treat. It was nice to have you in the studio and and catch back up. It is my pleasure. So good to see you guys. And for all the listeners out there, hey, if you want to do your spiritual homework, focus on the love. You're gonna be the wisest person possible. There you go. Thank you so much. Thank you.
5: Well, that was awesome, talking to David
0: again. It was.
5: And now we're going to throw it over to some speed round updates some, from some past guests that, uh, that sent us emails over the last few days and let us know how they're doing. We're going to kick it off with Joanne. She was on episode 22. She talked to us about miscarriages that she's had in the past. And uh, no shit, she has a baby now. Um, that is incredible. Uh, but she still faces a lot of challenges with pregnancies. But since being on the podcast, she has found an awesome community to talk about that.
0: On episode 25, we spoke to Lisa, who has lupus. Um, But actually, the update that she sent us is that she doesn't actually have lupus, and she has uh, a kind of form of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome.
5: Jesse Heyman from episode 94, Jesse, a dear friend of ours, uh, he talked to us about grief uh, for after losing uh, a dear and close cousin of his. He still continues to work with his grief on that, uh, but we want to give a huge shout out to Jesse with some of the the real life uh, social uh, job work that he does uh, with Jack.org and uh, an initiative called Be There, which uh, we'll be sharing more information uh, with our, our audience uh, later on because we're going to have a partnership
0: with them. But... We'll tell you all about it then. Um, up next, we're going to throw to a conversation that we had with uh, Patrick Vannon from the episode No Colon Still Rolling. Um, we actually spoke to Patrick yesterday and heard about what he's up to now.
1: Um, there's certainly things like I can't do, like... I don't know how to ski because, like, when people were doing skiing lessons, because I wasn't getting enough calcium and stuff, like, I would just break my bones if I tried.
5: Oh, whoa. Uh, Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Skiing is so much
4: fun. Whatevs. Patrick, man, what the fuck's going on? How's life, buddy?
1: Life is good. I think last time I talked to you, I just got engaged. So now this time I just got married.
4: And you're just about to get divorced. Is that is that the next part?
1: Well, we're looking to buy a house, so we'll see. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> all, it's all downhill from here, make, man.
5: Make that make that yeah. really big life financial decision and see how it pans out and then you'll really know.
0: Oh dude, I'm I'll I'm optimistic, optimistic for you. I, I just I feel like everything will work out. Yeah. Brian yeah,
5: Brian's on the positive side of the fifty
4: fifty. Um so <laughs> so Patrick, um, uh you know, since we've spoken with you, uh the show has has you know continued to grow. We we brought on a lot of new listeners. We've probably lost a lot of old listeners. Uh, and and so I guess for the the listeners that that are new and perhaps maybe they didn't hear your episode. Um, why yeah. don't you give them a little a little like rundown on on what it was that we talked about when we had you on the show?
1: All right. So what we talked about was I have or I was born with a condition called Hirschsprung's. Which means the ganglion cells in my large intestine, and in my case, small intestine as well, were not functioning. They didn't develop properly. So most of my gut was just dead on arrival, useless. So they took out everything but a meter. So with that, I can't absorb anything. Um, Well, I can absorb like 10% of what I can eat, which is barely anything. Um, I shit into a bag, which is dope and i have an iv which gives me all of the nutrients i need to live so it's pretty important um yeah so i get yeah. bags of liquid that have nutrients hydration fluid all that overnight every day for it's nine hours now i think last time i talked to you it was 10 i keep kind of shrinking it down because i'm lazy
5: you know uh jeremy um so I just i just listened back to your episode um earlier today patrick and and one of the things that stood out to me was how heavily jeremy um compared you to a to a dog
1: yeah um, to a dog definitely right. he definitely thought I was a dog with my dog like intestines
5: and because you only because <laughs> i mean i mean
1: you,
4: I, I still feel that way it's very dog-like. Puppy dog smile
1: right? he basically
5: said he he said something along the lines of are you a are you like a dog where you just eat your food and you immediately just shit it out, right? Right after which afterwards? I replied yes, yes, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: And then, before I even leave the restaurant, I leave the food there.
5: It was it was it was quite a it was quite a, a little trip down memory lane, and I realized that it since since our episode with you, how far I have come personally with my understanding of the human body because I didn't even know what a fucking colon was. When we talk to you. Oh, like, really? I thought it was like a sack. <laughs> wow. A lot like, of people don't. That like hung out in the digestive system somewhere or at the end, near the end of the digestive system. And then, you know, you kind of tuned us up to, to, to what it is and how it's kind of just, you know, you're basically just your fucking intestines and part
1: of your intestines. It's surprising how many people like don't know what's inside them.
4: I know, right? It, like we are the mo- like we are... These wonderful machines, but we're we are no different than our fucking phones. We're like I, I don't know. It just works, and I just look at it, and it's cool. It's pretty. Like, but we don't. Like, who the fuck knows how our phones work? Really, I can have sex with it.
1: And I, I don't know what it. a spleen does. I know I have one. I know it's probably. I think it's inflamed. Yeah. Which <laughs> is why I can't snowboard.
0: I think it's. But, borderline uh, I don't know what it useless. does. So you should it just, just ask say, don't somebody pop to it. take it out. But uh, but Patrick, I've I've heard that you were getting into other like. Uh, uh, low impact activities like yoga. Um, mm. was, was that a, was that inspired by the time that you sat down with three yoga teachers and talked about your colon?
1: Yeah, one of my doctors was like, "You should do some like light exercise for like muscle, kind of memory and shit like that. Just you know, so you can be somewhat active because that's healthy." Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, yoga is pretty cool. Like, kind of zen and shit. Let's do something relaxing, so I don't have to like stress out about it." So I think it was like on a holiday Monday, I was like, okay, let's go to like a yoga class with my fiance at the time. And I was like, let's just do something chill. It was beginner's yoga. I was ready. And I was like, I was into it. I was totally into it. I was having a great time. And then I felt something weird in my shirt. I was like, that's weird. Do I have like a pulled thread? That's That keeps hitting my nip in a weird way. So like mid cobra pose is what I'm pretty sure it's called. Um, I looked into my shirt and noticed that the IV, which is supposed to be firmly and securely implanted into my vein, oh, no. was just kind of hanging out. <laughs> oh no! In my shirt, just attached to the basically little piece of tape
4: oh, that I have
1: no. to keep it in me.
4: Oh fuck me! Jesus! Wait! 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 So, uh, wait! Wait! Wait wait, like, wait! 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 Where is this? Where is this IV? Like, where is it on your body? Where is it stuck in you?
1: It's in my, like, upper left – I think at the time it was maybe the upper right side, basically where my, like, clavicle is.
4: Oh, fuck me. Oh, that, I
5: know. That's a weird area. I don't like that. It makes me feel weird. I don't like that. Yeah, so I,
0: it, I, wait, I like, that, got up – sorry, what were you saying? I was going to say, does that, like, bleed? Well, that's
1: what I thought it would do. So I, like, <laughs> busted out of the yoga class, like, the most – freaked out person in the world i think the yoga teacher was like what the fuck's wrong with this kid um and then i'm like holding my chest expecting like just blood to be gushing out there was nothing oh that's good so i just look like this crazy guy who's holding his like collarbone, and like i have some guy who i guess was like a like a nurse at this gym was like are you okay are you having like a heart attack and i'm like no things are just falling out of me (laughs) and he's like what and I had, to, like, so I ran kind of back into the door and, like, waved to my fiancé to, like, get the fuck out because uh, I was like, we need to go. Yeah, and I, I love how and much of a distraction like, this is
4: for the rest of the class.
1: Yeah, I totally ruined everybody's day, I think. I never went back to that specific class. Um <laughs> But yeah, I like ran out. I'm like holding my chest, trying to get my fiance. And this guy who's like super well-intentioned was just like following me, asking me just like, what's going on? Like, why do you have an IV in your chest? Are you able to work out? And I'm like, well, I guess not. <laughs> 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 like, and he's like, he wanted to help so bad. But I was like, I just need to call my doctor who surprisingly like just picked up and he was like, oh, yoga. Really? So I went all the way over to uh, the hospital because I was like, "This is necessary to live." So I was like, "Listen, it was like beginner's yoga," and he's like, "Okay, sure." You got to come into the hospital because obviously, if it's the one thing that gives me nutrients and hydration, kind of important. Oh god! Yeah. So the uh, the triage nurse looking at me is like, "You have no problems. Why are you here?" Um, And then I just hold up the line that's supposed to be inside of me. Cause I'm carrying it around like some type of trophy. <laughs> and she looks at me and she's like, that's not supposed to just come out of you. I was like, well, thanks for Duh. the tip. Yeah. <laughs> hot, hot <laughs> tip there. And then she's like, what did you do to like pull that out of you? Cause that should be like cemented in. Like, does that hurt? I'm like, no, it just fell out, which apparently never happens never happens that it just kind of slips out
0: huh. and like it's not like you were playing contact sports you were doing yoga yeah it's so lovely yeah it's it so was lovely. yoga
1: so i was like and everybody who i talked told was told at like the ER and everything i was like i was doing yoga and they're like, uh huh, yeah.
5: They were like, You were doing you were in the sex swing again, weren't you?
1: <laughs> yeah. Th- I'm pretty sure somebody thought I was like in a sex swing or something. <laughs> <laughs> somebody was like, Were you doing like backflips? I'm like, I don't know what yoga you've been to, but I'm <laughs> yeah. never doing that
5: one. Rarely yeah. a part r- rarely a part of the of the routine.
0: <laughs> it uh, sounds almost like you've got no colon and you're still rolling. Heyo. Oh. There you go. That was the title of the episode, Garging. wasn't it? Yeah, fuck it.
4: Yeah. was. All
1: right, nice that's how we're going to wrap up
5: each one of our, each one, every call is just by, it sounds like you are. Yeah. And <laughs> the Insert of the title of
1: episode. That get some weird shit
0: going on. Your titles are weird. Dude, how funny is Patrick? He is hilarious. Uh, abs- An absolute treat to talk to. Absolute so let's uh, quickly go back to some more speed round updates before we hear from another past guest. Um, I want to first tell you about our friend Sarah who uh, had fertility issues. And this was episode 104. Sarah actually had one miscarriage and five separate failed fertility treatments. And after all of those experiences, I'm happy to tell you that she is a mom. She adopted two beautiful kids. We've been keeping in touch with her and things are going great.
5: Brittany from episode 64, we talked to her about a mystery disease that had gone forever without being diagnosed. And I can now report that it is still a mystery, Uh, but she's been given a a, a working diagnosis of mast cell disease. So that sounds like they can basically just change that at any time. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck. She also has a... uh, a, uh, an allergy to latex which uh, made her realize why uh, having sex has always sucked and uh, now her sex life is great
0: from episode 36 we talked to Rob Spence aka the Eye Borg. Um, Rob is actually making crazy LED prosthetic eyes right now and he wanted everybody to know that he's doing it because in his words it's fucking
5: cool Lindsay, who we spoke to about meditation She owns the Flotation Center here in Halifax Big shout out to Lindsay Uh, She said, and and I quote Has reached a level of self-actualization Where she no longer walks on earth But rather,
7: floats
0: Let's uh, now hear from past guest Julia Orlick
7: depends on the day like some days i'm just so frustrated by it i am so fed up angry um really really not good with him mm. and then there are other days where i'm super compassionate and i'm able to have those conversations and take them a lot more lightly
0: hey julia
7: hey can i just tell you something real yeah, quick absolutely. tell away I was listening to a podcast earlier this afternoon, and at the end, it was I don't normally listen to this one. It was just really random because one of my friends was being interviewed on it, and I listened to it. And at the end, she goes, "Yeah, you know, I listen to this podcast all the time. They're super awesome. It's Sick Boy, and I was like, so funny. It was so awesome. What's the
4: uh, what? Now that you plugged our show on our show, um, why don't we plug the show that you were listening (laughs) to? What What was the podcast?
7: Yeah. Um, so I, it's, I'm pretty sure it's called the Alpha Female Podcast, but I'm not too sure because I don't listen to that one. Oh, that it's often. with, um, just cause I, I only it's did Robin, it. right? Ro- yeah. 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 Okay. That, that was her Robin. I don't know her last name, but anyway, it was super funny. I was just, cause one of my friends was being interviewed on it. So that's why I listened. And at the end she was saying how well you guys do your Patreon like things at the That's end. Sweet. And so she was saying she wants to implement more yeah. of that. <laughs> well, you know what?
4: Yeah. That, that actually reminds yeah, me, funny. um, we, uh, you can go go over to patreon.com slash sick boy. And, uh, there's actually, lots of really great perks actually, on over there right now. Jeremy, the actual, well, and then you can,
5: you can yeah. relay this onto your friend, the actual secret ingredient to having a really strong Patreon is shaming everyone. who No, doesn't. that <laughs> is not true. Everyone, everyone right. who does that. Uh,
0: so, so Julia, um, it's great to uh, it's great to catch up with you. Um, but th- the interesting thing, so we're doing this like 200th episode, um, where where we're going back and talking to guests and doing this update for our listeners on how they're doing. But the interesting thing is that yeah. when you know, like update shows, um, this isn't the first time that somebody's done an uh, an update show. Actually, in fact, the last guest that we were just talking to referred to Oprah's like "Where Are They Now" episode. And uh, that's kind of what we're doing, mm-hmm. but like, but the thing is, is that when we talk to our guests, like they're <laughs> they're for the most part dealing with living with an illness, um, and sometimes updates on living with an illness like aren't necessarily good things. The more that time passes, the kind of more challenging yeah. a situation might get. So, I think that that's quite apparent in the um, situation that you're dealing with. So, you were on the podcast to talk about. Yeah. Uh, the episode title was your, your, my forgetful father. And we were talking about your, um, experience in dealing with your dad's, um, Alzheimer's and dementia. So, um, it's not like, I guess a progress update isn't necessarily, um, an exciting or good thing to talk about. Um, what is that? What has the experience been like since you've been on the show? Like what, what's been going on in, in your world?
7: Yeah, so I was thinking about this too. And I wish I could say like, Oh, everything's better now. It's all sorted out. But that's just not the nature of this illness. Unfortunately, like it doesn't get better. It just gets worse over time. So (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, since I was last on the podcast, I think um, there's been a lot, like for me personally, of just acceptance going on. So you know, I, I mean, I feel like I had a lot of resistance before to the illness and to the fact that it, it was actually happening. And, um, you know, I didn't want to look at the reality of that. Mm-hmm. But since then, you kind of have no choice. You have to. So um, it's obviously apparent in my day-to-day life. And um, I think something that I'm really starting to realize, too, is just how much it wears you down over time. And, um you know, when I talked to you guys, it wasn't new, but, um, it was like newly diagnosed and and all those things. So now I've really been living with it for the past while. And it just, when you're dealing with something like Alzheimer's or dementia, it really, really wears you down. And it's a progressive thing. Right. Um, it's like, it's like that, uh, you yeah. mentioned,
0: you mentioned that you mentioned on the episode, like that constant ask, like re-asking of questions like, like saying repeating yeah. things over and over and over again i imagine that like that in itself absolutely. like can become a lot especially the longer that that goes on um but i also know that absolutely you yeah. did have the opportunity and i think we talked about this at the at the end of last episode when uh, you had a trip coming up so you've been on that trip now um where you went to new oh, zealand yeah. um what was that like
7: it was such a contrast to what my life's been right now. So I went on that trip and um, just really experienced total freedom, like freedom like I've never, ever felt before because I didn't have to take care of anyone. I didn't have to plan anything. Like we literally just drove. So we got in our car and decided the day of what we wanted to do. And so it was just this experience of total, complete freedom. And then you know, I feel like when you, anytime you travel in general, you're kind of on a high and then you get back home and it's just like super intense and you kind of go into a down phase. So, um, it just, if anything showed me like how much of a contrast there is between that total freedom of travel and stuff, and then coming back to something like this where you're caregiving constantly and and it's just such a huge, um, shift, but that was amazing. It was exactly what I needed to like completely detach. And although, you know, I still felt a lot of guilt, um, that comes with kind of feeling like you're abandoning someone or, or leaving someone to fend for themselves. He was taken care of by like other family members, yeah. but still, I, I um, think, there would be, I think that's, yeah. the,
4: I mean, I understand how like naturally there would be some guilt there, but I think it is so vitally important. And, and I, I can, I can tell that you would agree with me in that if you know you're going to be someone who's taking on this role of like, Uh, you know, one of the primary caretakers for someone in your family where you know that you you know that out of the love you have for this person, you want to be there. Um, You want to be able to provide support and help for this person. Uh, But Mm -hmm. in knowing that you are going to take on that role, there is also so much to be said for finding a balance and finding ways to decompress or finding ways to, you know, maybe in this case, prep yourself for what is to come. Um, because if we don't, if we don't do that, if we don't take the time that we need as, as caretakers to take care of ourselves, then what's the fucking point? You know, like what is the point of being a caretaker? If you're not even, if you don't have the ability to take care of yourself, Mm -hmm. you're you're absolutely not going to be able to be there wholeheartedly to take care of somebody else. So um you, you know I'm re- I'm really glad you,
0: yeah. you took that that time to do that. Not not to mention the fact that like yeah. you're when we recorded you're 20 years old, 21 now like like <laughs> yeah. the, it's yeah. such a formative time of your life where like you're really in the midst of like um learning who you are and like what kind of career paths you want mm-hmm. to discover and and like if you're yeah. just spending all of your time you know taking care of somebody else and not allowing yourself to to live and grow and, and be 21, like it's,
5: yeah. you
0: know, it's, it's counterproductive to what the ultimate goal is of being a caretaker.
5: Oh, did you find that you're, that, Absolutely. that when yeah. you were traveling, <clears throat> did you find that coming back, you know, I, you know, I know you said it was exactly what you needed. Did you, did you find that you were sort of, you you kind of hit the reset button and you were able to kind of go into that, go back to that caretaking role with like, with, in like in like a better way or like in a renewed way rather than rather than feeling like you're left wanting to be back traveling or did you did you kind of lock
7: yeah I think it it was like a day by day thing like some days I felt like so renewed and like I could actually show up as my best self and and um And then there were other days, too, where, like, I missed that aspect of of being a 21-year-old and feeling so free, like I have no responsibilities in the world. Um, So it kind of, like, fluctuated from day to day. But then there was also this, like, process of kind of realizing that I may not be the best option for him. Mm. Like, I am what's most familiar to him, and I love him so much. But at the end of the day, like if I'm getting so frustrated at repeating myself or if I'm having these moments where I lose it, like maybe I'm not the best option for him, Mm. you know? So it's, it's that as it was that as well.
5: Have you taken, have you, have you explored other options in that, in that realm? for for caretaking. Yeah, so
7: um we have help now. Yeah, we have some help which is something that we didn't last time I spoke to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um so we have two caregivers coming in uh just like three times a week and they're both amazing. Um such such kind people and like for anyone who who actually does caretake like I just do it because I've been put in the situation mm-hmm. but um, and because it's a family member and I want to be there and, and support. But for people who actually do this as, like, their job, I just bow down to them so much. They're amazing and they have so much compassion and, and love and warmth. And so we do have help coming in um, those couple of days a week now and then um, starting to put him in uh, – it's called respite in um, in on the Quebec side. So it's just, like, putting him in a home for um, – different periods of time so that we get a little bit of a break.
0: Mm. And, and, uh, so that the first time that he was in one of, uh, those or in respite. That was, I think that was last weekend too.
7: Yeah. Last week. Yeah. Last weekend.
0: So, um, how was that? Like, and what's that experience like? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
7: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, again, like I need to, I I feel like I need to explore like more different types of homes and stuff because there are so many different ones. Um, He's, since he's relatively young still and very active, I found that a lot of the people there weren't his speed. Like they literally looked like they were already dead. Like, I'm sure they're such nice people, but like, it's just, and so when you're walking into that. You know what? I hear
4: when people are already almost dead, they're, they're all assholes. So I'm just just surrounded by old dickheads. And I'm sure some of them them. are very nice people.
7: That's that's about it.
5: Yeah.
4: I doubt it. Anyways.
7: um, Yeah. So, so I think he was uncomfortable with it when we first walked in and, and you know, he didn't really know what was going on. Um, but at the end, what ended up happening of course, like he had a lot of anxiety about it and didn't want us to leave. So we had to kind of create a diversion. And so he went with someone and, and me and my mom just kind of pieced out as quickly as we could. Um, but anyway, so he ended up because his profession, most of his life was um, like teaching. And as a professor, he and he would work with like tons of different people, athletes and and kids. And anyway, um, so he ended up thinking that he worked there. So he would like help hand Uh out water and, um, you know, just talk with everyone and, and literally chat with everyone and like see how they were doing. And, and so that was super sweet because he just kind of thought it was part of his job.
4: That's, uh, that is like simultaneously the, the sweetest and like Cutest thing yeah. I have ever heard, but also it like makes me feel so sad too. Like, I yeah, it's definitely. So sad, it, yeah. it's it's that that it, this and that is like, honest to God, that is Alzheimer's dementia wrapped up into a little box. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, totally. just a life of like hilarity, cuteness, and 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 sadness. And Such
7: sadness, and
4: yeah. it's kind of like the embodiment of sick boy, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's yeah, yeah you're just oh, sad. you are oh, just a sad we're bunch. So ador- <laughs> we're so adorable.
5: so <laughs> adorable. <humans>.
4: Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it it is though, you know. And they, there's like there's a part of me that I just I feel so I feel so happy to know that he's in a space where, um, even though like he might not be here fully. That wherever yeah. he is, like he's in a place where he goes, Hey, I feel like I've got, I've got my job to do and I'm here to do it. And like,
7: yeah. you know, I, I think we all, such a blessing too. yeah, totally. Yeah.
4: Because exactly. we all know that yeah. like when, when you are doing the thing that you feel like you were put on this earth to do, like that is happy, that is joy, that is happiness. Mm-hmm. And so to know yeah. that he's able to like find that Dude, within he, that space is so sweet. Yeah. He quite literally
0: <laughs> wrote the book on happiness too, which is incredible. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, tribute. So, uh, thanks, Julia. Yeah. Um, if, uh, before we sign off, uh, do you want to tell the people, uh, listening where they can find more of what you have going on with, uh, Julia Ornick yeah. Meditation? Yeah,
7: so um, because of brain health and how important it is to me, I am super into meditation, teaching a lot. Um, The Instagram, it's a new Instagram, but it's uh, Julia Orlick Meditation. And then I have my website, which is just Julia Orlick. So I have some free guided meditations online there and like a lot about science. And um, I have some programs as well for beginners. If you're new to meditation, just to have a practice where you can really take care of yourself and your mind at the same time.
5: Man, it was really great to uh, to talk with with Julie again. Man, sometimes you forget how awesome it is that we've met so many fucking awesome people.
0: Yeah, and uh, the thing I love about Julia is she's just like so incredibly mature and switched on, especially for her, her age. Oh yeah, big time. That's crazy, big time.
5: Um, and uh, and dementia and Alzheimer's. What a what a fascinating disease. Mm-hmm. We had a few other updates sent our way from past guests, so right now you're going to hear from Fiona from episode 93 with Addison's disease and Brandy from episode 23 on transgender.
6: Hello, Brian, Taylor, and Jeremy. This is Fiona, your uh, interviewee who has Addison's disease. Uh, I would have loved to have chat with you all on the phone, uh, but at the time when you were recording, I was flying home from Iceland. Uh, I'd spent the past month in Reykjavik practicing medicine with the remarkable teams there. Um, if you remember when we recorded, I was going to be starting medical school uh, in a couple months uh, after the recording, and now I've just completed my second year of medical school. In this fall, I'm starting my third, and I'm set to graduate in 2021. I'm absolutely loving it every day, even when it is trying to crush me. Um, I'm very, very honored to work in medicine, and my heart couldn't possibly be any fuller to have the privilege of working in this field. Um, Remember how I told you about how people with Addison's have to take daily doses of mineral corticoids and cortisol because our adrenals don't make those hormones anymore? Well, I got a fun fact for you. There's a molecule in black licorice that mimics the effects of mineral corticoids and inhibits the breakdown of mineral corticoids and cortisol. So mineral corticoids are the ones that uh, keep your blood pressure elevated. And um, black licorice is the candy in Iceland that grocery store shelves are packed with it. And let me tell you, so am I. I have been eating black licorice daily for the past month. So who knows what I've been doing to my blood pressure and cortisol levels. But I am in my element. In the past, when I've considered my zombie apocalypse plan, it always involved reading as many pharmacies as possible so that I could load up on my meds uh, and then carry on with my other plans of like setting up a farm uh, or, you know, getting a safe spot set up with other people but perhaps I just need to get myself to Iceland because that's where tons of black licorice is just want to make sure people out there know that I'm kidding because my people out there with Addison's please please absolutely do not replace your meds with black licorice listen to your endocrinologist when it comes to your medications and everyone out there stick to your original zombie apocalypse plans i currently do not have the credentials to be advising you on either matter and i wanted to just send my love out to you sickos um i congratulations on your the the success of your show and your 200th episode and as i've told you before you give voice to the unique worlds that surround us and i am forever cheering you
3: on Hey guys, so a little bit has changed since I was last on the show. I spent the last few years really internalizing my insecurities and how I can, you know, overcome them. And a lot of them had to do with me being in a transitional period in my life. And I felt like it's come to an end and that this transition that I was going through was more so an evolution of who I was meant to be. And I started breaking down, you know, what I cling to as femininity and I clung to as masculinity. And for so long, I put that masculinity aside and, and tried to hide it because it's not what society wanted to see and it's not a, what I wanted to project onto society. But I realized that in order for me to be the best me, I have to embrace all of me. So I decided to, you know, lose my bra to start wearing clothing that really just spoke to me as opposed to something that would, you know, enhance my femininity just so I could be more comfortable in me. And I just feel like through all that, I've kind of come to terms that my life wasn't, you know, in a transition. And I feel like the label of a trans woman just didn't apply to me because I do love my body, every part of it. So I've, I think I'm just a little more non-binary and he, she, it doesn't really matter. When this whole thing started, I was just, you know, doing makeup and wearing clothes that made me feel the most like me and when other people started seeing that they were like oh my god well you know what you must be transgender so i was you know in this lazy river and i kind of just went with it and went with the projection that everyone in direction i should say that everyone kind of pointed me in and it just took me a really really long time to break that down and to realize that like looking back at like you know myself as a child when this whole thing started is that it was never really about the parts for me it was just about self-expression And uh, so that's just about it. I'm keeping my dick, guys.
5: Now, before we wrap it up, guys, we wanted to throw it over to a few awesome and beautiful heartfelt messages from our patrons over on Patreon.com.
3: Hi, this is Kat from Calgary, Alberta. My name is Solvidelda.
6: I'm 22 and I'm from Trondheim, Norway.
7: Hi, this is Megan, and the reason why I subscribe on Patreon to Sick Boy Podcast is because I believe in what this podcast is doing in terms of breaking down stigma.
6: Honestly, as a sick person
7: that likes to face and laugh at the absurdity of life, I've never i had never met anybody before I found Sick Boy that also liked to do that, and that's honestly why I I give you guys money every month. It amazes me that everybody on earth goes through some kind of illness or disease and it's often not talked about. Um, it's taboo and it makes people uncomfortable. And uh, these three guys bring humor and lightness to things that are oftentimes super serious.
6: It has taught me to appreciate every day more because you never know what happens tomorrow. I'm a patron of Sick Boy because it's one of the funniest podcasts I've ever heard, busting being educational. Congratulations,
0: Brian, Taylor, and Jeremy, for your 200th Dig Boy episode.
4: Well, fuck. Well, I agree. Yeah. You know, 200 episodes. Let. Do you guys want to do 200 more? Absolutely. All right. Yeah, I think let's do at least 200 more. Well, we we at least have a number of more coming up because we got all those trips coming up in the in the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, we'll announce.
0: We'll announce that in the coming weeks. And did we uh,
5: mentioned. Did we mention that? We do Patreon.
0: Uh, we did. I I don't know if we I don't know if we did, but I was going to say that you know, like at, at one point during this journey, you know, we teamed up with a, a podcast network and we were really exploring all these different avenues of how we could best um, share this message. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently, we've we've taken full uh, control back over that, and you know, we're just really trying to make this happen, um, spread this message, and grow this by ourselves. Um and I think we we can't really do that without the support of our Patreon members. That's yeah.
5: right. Yeah, you guys have been uh, you guys have been amazing since the very beginning and all the times that I've jokingly shamed people who don't support us. Um I don't know why I use the word joking. I wasn't really joking. But I do, but I do love all of you who listen and uh, and support us or listen, uh, and we love you. Yeah. So
4: uh, if you want more information, it's all there on the site. Go to patreon.com slash sickboy. what was that? Patreon.com slash sickboy. Sorry, I didn't quite catch it. Patreon.com slash sickboy. Um, and also, it's a big help for all the people you know that have done it, in Canada at least, uh, the numbers uh, the ratings and reviews on on Apple Podcasts is actually fucking significant It's huge right um, There's so many of them and uh, they they're, some of them are really funny. some of them are just some some people hate us um, and so if you hate us, if you love us if you if you're really in between don't really care. Go let us know. Uh, Honestly, especially if you hate us, because those are so
5: fucking funny to read. Just give
0: us five stars and then tell us how much you hate us. Yeah, like
5: someone roast us hard on (laughs) iTunes. Uh,
0: And... Oh, that's really funny. It's really funny to think about that. Uh, Brian's high. <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, uh, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my feelings but, uh, feel uh, away. <laughs> but I was going to say, uh, honestly, we, we really couldn't do this uh, every week if it wasn't for the support and help from Donovan, the meerkat slash CPAP Morgan. That's right. Um, Donovan spends a lot of late nights on Sundays uh, making sure that the episodes are ready to roll out. Every single Monday morning, so I think um, that for this week, for the special let's make it sound like um,
4: uh, we were celebrating with fireworks, dude, I was going to say that but 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 uh, we but. But we fucked up. Then they, they backfired. Really they back- yeah, they backfired. And there's like there's, and there's screaming yeah, children. Yeah. There's a ton of people that just yeah. really didn't take it well. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and and uh, oh, the ambulance. You hear the ambulances? <laughs> Here they come. Uh, you know, take. Oh my god. What, oh my god. What mayhem. What chaos. god. It's so. It's crazy. this is actually making me feel a little. A it's little flinted. bit scarred. It's really yeah. jarring. Now people are gonna just turn off the episode. <laughs> oh Sounds like a ground so, attack. Is oh happening. my god. Whoa. <laughs> Donovan, wait. Yeah. Donovan. Don't take it there. Whoa. Was that an F Tina just flew overhead. <laughs> hey, what's over happening? Here. Is it also well, a world show that the Russians are coming? <laughs> it's um, up. A State of emergency. This <laughs> totally turned into Red Dawn. Oh, fuck. All uh, right, we're running out of time here. Uh, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.